What's up, everybody? This is Trey Biddy with hogsports.com. That's H-A-W-G sports.com. And this is your Arkansas versus Colorado State primer. Well, it's been quite an interesting week with Arkansas coming off that loss to Ole Miss, 31-17 in Oxford. And, I mean, you know it's getting bad when people, like, start coming. I know it's getting bad when people start coming after me and putting words in my mouth. I've been criticized for just about everything this past week. This one dude called me during the game, I think, when I said the defense is spent, called me a sunshine pumper. Even though I picked Arkansas, I said I think Arkansas can win or will win, but – I'm picking them to lose. And even though I've said Arkansas is more likely to win five games than they are to win seven games, I'm a sunshine pumper, according to this guy. So it's amazing how people come out of the woodwork uh, when things aren't going well. And I understand the frustration. Uh, this lady left a fi- live fan feedback to Drive Time the other day and said that the media is misleading people, that uh, we're wishing and not reporting what we see, even though all of those things that I just said, every time I said anything about Arkansas going to be good, I said now in good, I mean in terms of getting to a bowl game, which this team is still capable of doing, getting to a bowl game, not being a good team, not being a championship caliber team, but improving, getting to a bowl game. I can't how many count how many times I said – that this is a team, if you want to look at it from a healthy viewpoint, watch a young team grow, watch a young team get better as the season progresses. That's kind of the way to look at this team, not to go out and upset a bunch of people. If you're setting your expectations for eight wins, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Despite all that, it's amazing how people will, will come after me and twist my words around, even though I made sure to say that because I knew that's what would happen when things went sour. And they have gone a little bit sour, but it's not the end of the world. I think there's obviously a tendency to, over, to overreact. And even though I was telling people this same stuff, you know you're going to be screaming at your television. I get that. I get that 100%. This week is a not a must-win game. This is a must-not-lose game. Okay, I know that's just semantics. And people get on to me that for that kind of stuff because I did say I think Arkansas will win, but I'm picking them to lose for the same reason that they lost because they're going to make mistakes. They're a young team on the road in the SEC that's always tough in the first place, but also you're going to make mistakes. We'll get into some of that stuff here in a second, but first I want to remind you to go ahead and get your questions in. Pete Roulier is going to join us here in a little bit, and we'll answer some of your questions. I want to remind you there's plenty of ways to watch and listen. Facebook Live, always streaming on Facebook Live. YouTube, be sure to throw us a thumbs up now if you haven't done so already. Like, share, comment, follow, all those good things. Be sure to hit the notifications bell on YouTube so you're notified anytime we upload new content. Available on Apple Podcasts. Throw us a five-star review, Spotify, and Stitcher. Hogsports.com is just $1 right now for your first month or you can take 30% off your first year with a seven-day free trial so uh, an interesting time to join hogsports.com if you haven't done so already um, which most people do but uh, now still plenty of plenty of stuff to look forward to as Chad Moore says there's a lot of football left to play even though this is an important game for them so let's go to Chad Morris right now and see what he had to say how much say does Nick have in some of the things that are called and the things that he's comfortable with uh, heading into this one versus maybe past couple of weeks? Well, we always talk to all our quarterbacks, you know, and, and with him being the starter now, we're always communicating with, with our starter and asking what he liked, what he saw. Um, and then, But as far as the install of the game plan and what we put in, it's, it's what he's comfortable with. It's not necessarily what we're comfortable with or what I'm comfortable with. It's what he can do and execute. And, and so he's been, he's been very active and very, very much a part of it. I mean, he's had a great approach all this whole, this whole uh, uh, camp and into the first couple of games and has preparation. But when you're the starter, 
I mean, you're in there um, and you're, you're, you're actively involved and you're part of the game plan and talking about the game plan. So, yeah, I, I have. There's a fine line between being careless with the football and having a killer instinct. Does Nick have that? He does. Yeah, he does. You know, again, I've said it before, he's, um, he's played in this league. He's won in this league. He understands what this league is about. Um, and, and, you know, his, he's going to make some mistakes, as they all do. It's, 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 he's been in this offense now three, four weeks now. Um, we saw some of those mistakes last week, and, and um, you know he'll continue to get better with time. And, and uh, he's had a really good preparation in practice, and I'm, I'm really excited for him and, and this opportunity for, the, for our offense and this team. I'll tell you another interesting thing a fan said to me yesterday on drive time was that the media didn't ask tough questions. And I would disagree with that. I mean, there's a certain way to ask questions in a press conference. And I think a lot of people want, you know, to say just mean stuff like, why are you sucking? You know, stuff like that. And the truth of the matter is, Chad Morris is going to answer questions the way he wants to answer them. He's going to answer questions that he wants to answer, period. And I mean, I asked him straight up about the play calling the week before the Ole Miss game and, and about the, the first and five at the nine-yard line. Were you happy with the play call? And you just kind of have to massage a question a little bit if you want to get it answered properly. That's the bottom line. And you know that if you were 16 years in the media like I am, um, you know, versus being an angry fan. And, again, I get being an angry fan. I'm not saying you shouldn't be angry. I mean, this is seven going on eight years uh, watching the Razorbacks lose. So I've caught that. A guy got on to me and said I lost all credibility because I said of my comments about the Wild Hog, which I stand by. Arkansas called it the Wildcat. It was something that was associated with the Wildcat. Every team in the country would be calling their offense when they use that the Wildcat and associating it with Arkansas. By Arkansas calling it the Wild Hog, it opened the door for people to start calling it the Wild Rebel, the Wild Dolphin. You know, the wild whatever you want, the wild tiger, whatever you want to call it. And it just changed things. So I stick by that, even though, I mean, you're welcome to have a different opinion on that. That's enough ranting, I guess, on my end. The stuff doesn't, I mean, the people coming after me doesn't bother me as much as, like, the people going after the players and stuff. That's, and I get being critical, but, like, personal attacks and stuff, some of the stuff people say is just, just absurd. So Wednesday's practice takeaways, that was the last opportunity that you saw we, that we had an opportunity to talk with Chad Morris, some of the things that come out of that, um, you know, aside from you know, the Nick Starkle stuff, which was most of the comments there, uh, Arkansas is going to wear the standard McFadden era jerseys, which is their standard look now. So anytime that they're at home, you're going to see red hat, uh, red jersey, white pants. It's a good look, good look for Arkansas. Austin Caps was back in full the last couple of days. He was out there today. I saw him walking yesterday about 7 o'clock. I was listening to Chad Morris's radio show, and I saw him walking in flip-flops without his ankle wrapped or anything. Uh, so it looks good for Austin Caps. Chase Harrell was back in full. He was in green on Tuesday, which means no contact. Um, Dalton Hyatt has the flu. Dalton Hyatt had a hamstring injury for eight weeks, and now he has the flu. Former quarterback moved to wide receiver, so that's, that's a lot on Dalton Hyatt there. Uh, Jamario Bell still not out there, not expecting to see him Saturday. Sounds like it might be a meniscal deal or something with him. So that's pretty much where things are right now. Arkansas obviously needs those young defensive ends to step up and continue to get better. As I said earlier in the show, this is a must, not a must win, but a must not lose game because I refuse to call a game against a non-conference power five, non-power five opponent a must win, even though it has been bad the last – Several years. Since 2012, Arkansas has lost to Louisiana Monroe. 
They've lost to Toledo in 2015, Colorado State in 2018, and were blown out by North Texas in 2018 also. All right, this is a program, according to the Associated Press, that is the number 19th all-time in the top 25 poll. And, you know, it was interesting when you look back at that Ole Miss game three years ago, this was number 22-ranked Arkansas versus number 12 Ole Miss. Things can change quickly. If they can change that quickly, they can, they can flip the other way. Uh, in a short amount of time, too. And I do think Arkansas is in the right direction. It's just a matter of getting some of these young guys more experience, like I said. I mean, losing that game on the road in the SEC, nobody wants to lose. But you almost have to go through that kind of experience with a young team to figure out what it takes to get going and start winning on the road. They'll have more opportunities. That was one of four games I feel like they have a chance to win in the SEC. Now, this game against, against Colorado State is an absolute must-not-lose. It's an absolute must not lose. When I look at some of the things that they just that just happened to them, and I, I said this to Nick Starkle when we were interviewing him, that there were seven plays that you could take, but change, you know, and and you know, change the outcome of the game. And he was like, "Oh, it was seven. I was like, "Yeah, it was seven. It was the two poorly thrown balls to Devil Whaley that could have been touchdowns. Uh, the fumble by Whaley, although I'm not even going to count that one because the next play was a scoop and score uh, by Cameron Curl. But the drop by Michael Woods on third and three. There was a poorly executed trick play that we all know. There was the illegal formation. It wasn't called an illegal formation. It was called a legal receiver downfield that wiped out a touchdown. There was a drop pass to Trey Knox deep in Ole Miss territory that ultimately ended in a turnover on downs. Uh, there's a more missed 43-yard field goal by Connor Limpert. Those plays are the plays that changed the game. There's 144 plays on offense and defense in that game, and it's seven of them. You point to seven of them that would have changed the outcome of the game, and they're all mostly mistakes. So, as Morris was saying, I think it is huge for Arkansas to be able to work all week with Nick Starkle as the starting quarterback. Okay, this is the offense that he's most comfortable with, that he wants to run. Okay, this isn't him watching a trick play being executed, which why were they running a trick play that he hasn't – that he's not comfortable with? That's that's a big question, you know, and that's definitely on the coaches. Even though Starkle is going to take responsibility for that, everybody's taking responsibility for that. But this is, this is largely on the coaches um, – and maybe Starkle should have called a timeout if he was confused on it. Maybe he wasn't confused. Maybe he thought he had the right play. But you just got to do better on, on stuff like that. And I think working all week as the starting quarterback will help things. Arkansas going to have some visitors come in for this one, but I'll go ahead. There's some, it's a VIP story from Danny West on the Razors at, on hogsports.com uh, that you can access right now, as I said, for a dollar for your first month. But there are some unofficial visitors. It's looking like that Auburn game is going to be the first really big weekend uh, where they bring in like official visitors and really try to make a big event out of it. But um, so looking probably for the Auburn game before that. Also hosting a big four-star power forward out of DeSoto, Texas. Uh, another VIP story from Danny West. You can read all about that again at hogsports.com. All right, so let's get to a couple of questions so we don't have a bunch of stuff run off here before we get to Pete Roulier. Number one, Chad Everett says, good afternoon from hot South Georgia. Woo pig suey. Look forward to seeing Starkle under center. You know, I, I shared my my story about how things got started with hogsports.com, and it was actually – it happened in South Georgia, South Central Georgia, uh, 9-11. And this wasn't like a personal tragedy issue for me. It wasn't like – uh, you know, other than, you know, being with everybody else and the emotion of it. But I was actually uh, – in the pecan industry, as crazy as that sounds, in South Georgia, my, it was my main gig and my dad's side gig. And so I was a general business major at University of Arkansas with a minor minor in communication. 
communications. And so there were some things that overlapped here and I'll, and I'll get to that in a minute, but I was miserable in South Georgia. It just was a culture shock from Fayetteville. You know, my dad still lives there. Uh, but after driving around on a tractor about five miles an hour, spraying endosulfan in the air, picking up limbs, cutting down vines, you just get a lot of time to think about your life. So this was 2001 and my nights would consist of like going to my dad's factory and getting online. Cause you know, you didn't have Wi-Fi at home or anything. I don't even know if you had Wi-Fi then. I don't think you did. Uh, so that was my evenings and going and getting like DVDs from the local video store in this small town, um, playing spades with my buddy Forrest, who was 20 years older than me. He was my best friend. Um, I remember where there'd be like 20 people packed in his house and, and me. And, um, you know, everybody was just very, very welcoming. That was like the thing that I had to look forward to really. So anyway, I'm out in Irwin, Irwinton, Irwinton, Georgia, about 20 miles, I'd driven the Pettibone tractor out there to do some work, and I'm out there all day, and I remember for lunch, I go to get a sandwich or something at this gas station, and I remember cracking a joke that nobody laughed at, and I'm out on this field all day long, and the next thing I know, um, I'm driving home, it's like 6 o'clock, my dad meets me halfway, and he casually mentions, you hear about the bombings, and I'm like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. So everybody in the country is living this, except for, and I'm out in this field all alone. And so I drive into town, turn the TV on, obviously can't believe what I'm seeing. I remember my buddy calls me, he lives in Washington, D.C., Chris Russell, and says, uh, you know, hey, we, you know, we, we've been off all day, and he's talking about something. And I was like, why have you been off? Because I'm just catching up. I didn't even ha- realize that D.C. had been attacked. I'm just catching up. You talk about feeling stupid, isolated, uninformed, just disconnected from the rest of the country. And it was that moment that I said to myself, I've, I've got to get out of here. I've got to get out of this place. And so um, long story short, I ended up figuring out that I could go back to school and get a journalism degree in about a year and a half. When I was there, Rivals was having a hard time getting the Arkansas side off the ground. Met with Will Wood, Shannon Terry, all those guys. They hired me on and just built the site up into really something special over the years. But that was really my opportunity to do something. And it really happened because of 9-11, just feeling disconnected with the entire world. So that's kind of my, my 9-11 story. And uh, Hog Sports really wouldn't be here um, without that experience for me, just feeling like, what am I doing? You know, what am I doing with my life? So a turning point for me. Anyway, I thought I'd share that story. It's my 9-11 story. Everybody remembers where they were on 9-11. I was out in a field disassociated from the world. That made me think of that when you brought up that uh, greetings from hot South Georgia because I know it's hot and I know the gnats are flying down there. Austin Gibson says, do we get the offense going with Starkle? Sorry, it just rolled off. Um, I think so. I think that, as as he mentioned, you know, Starkle has a killer attitude, killer mentality. Um, We'll go into – predictions a little bit even though I don't really know where I'm going yet I'm still I'll still help you know to make a, a prediction Donnie Buss says good show Mr. Biddy as always projection on how many yards Nick's throws for I think you're going to see him throw for over 300 yards this is going to be a battle of quarterbacks Colin Hill's very good but I think you'll see Nick Stark will throw for 300 yards in this one uh, Austin Gibson said what's your thoughts on having the red white game at Barnhill Arena I've been saying it for years I have been saying it for you Eric Musselman gets it for being a guy not from Arkansas he gets it 
I would like to see them play, you know, an early conference game there, although it might be a challenge when you consider stats and all that stuff, all the things you got to get wired up. But maybe they have it for volleyball, so it, it wouldn't be a big deal. But I would love to see a regular season game there. If you think about it, the only coach that's won a national championship at Arkansas played games in Barnhill and Bud Walton. Kevin Williams says, any concerns with our secondary after watching the Colorado State film? I mean, I think so. I think Colin Hill's a good passer. Now, the good thing for Arkansas is that he's not as good a runner as the last two or three, I guess, quarterbacks that they faced in the last two games. But he is a good passer. This is you have In this day and age, you have to win the quarterback battle. Let me ask you this, everybody. Would you feel more comfortable with Ben Hicks at quarterback or would you feel more comfortable with Colin Hill at quarterback? Now flip it. Would you feel more comfortable with Colin Hill at quarterback or Nick Starkle? I mean, I think the answer is pretty clear there that you'd rather have Nick Starkle, but it's going to be a battle between those two guys. And in this day and age, you got to win that battle. Colorado State's not a bad team. You know, last year's team went 3-9, and nine, but really historically, at least recent history, they probably average about eight wins a season, eight and four, something like that, eight and five, something like that uh, every year. So, but under Bobo, I think they don't, I don't think they've gone better than seven and six. But they played Colorado, Colorado pretty well in Mile High. Um, ended up losing by three touchdowns, but it was a pretty competitive game. Handled Western Illinois. I think they're a better team than they were last year, and I think Arkansas is going to show that they're a better team. I think the main thing for Arkansas is getting these guys just a little bit more comfortable, more and more comfortable, uh, and you see that talent start to come out because Arkansas, talent wise, there's no question that they're better off this year than they were last year, at least to me. At least to me. Dave Adams says, much more fun to watch this team as a young, growing team. Yeah, and I, I agree that. I would I agree with that. But um, you're still not going to – and I'm not trying to convince people not to scream at their television. I mean, that's what makes football fun to me. I mean, like baseball is fun to go to a game at baseball, but it's more like a picnic. With football, it's just like you live and die on every play. It's the roller coaster. I remember my mom when I was younger – she used to come in, she'd be like, and I'd be screaming at the television, she'd be like, Trey, calm down. And I'd be like, well, you don't understand. I want to be, I want to be screaming at the television. I want to live and die on every single play. You know, that's what makes college football uh, so exciting, I think. So, just part of it, part of it. Cody J. Huggins says, I signed up and I think the offense is going, I appreciate you signing up, Cody Huggins. I think the offense is going, gets to going if the offensive line can hold up. Yeah. I mean, there's been some things with the offensive line. There's been disappointment. And, you know, that's what we've said. I think they're going to be better than they were last year, but not great. They're still going to struggle against some, some of the better teams. And, you know, with Ole Miss, you know, they were loading up the box, um, you know, some bear front, uh, just really getting after Ben Hicks. And then when Starkle came in, it was kind of like, whoa, we got to back up a little bit. You know, we got to we got to make sure that this guy doesn't kill us with his arm. Starts opening things up. The things that killed Arkansas in the second half versus the first half was the mistakes. I mean, first half there was some execution stuff in terms of like you know poorly thrown balls and stuff like that. But the second half it was penalties and um, you know drop balls and you know just mistakes like that that really cost Arkansas a fumble, which you know didn't really cost them because they had the scoop and score right after that. James Rose says, "Can folks take a deep breath and give them some time?" I know it's it's important to do that, and I agree with you 100%, James. But the problem is it's been seven years going on eight years, and people are frustrated. I 100% get it, man. I'm frustrated. I'm As a media person, I'm not supposed to say I hope they win, but I hope they win. I don't want to come on here and do this again and have people twist my words up. As Bill Burr says, what you say goes in your ear and gets cut up by your childhood and spit out. Bill Burr's comedy special, 
pretty funny. Maybe a little sexist, but pretty funny overall. Um, his new one on Netflix. So let's get to Pete Roulier. We got to get to Pete because Pete has broken down pretty much everything here. So give me just one second here to get Pete on the horn for all of you. And uh, for those of you who don't follow Pete's stuff, you can read it all on hogsports.com. Again, H-A-W-G sports.com. He does a great job. A lot of his content is free, so make sure to sign up for the newsletter. Go to the middle of the page and sign up for the Hogsports newsletter. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. That's right. Hey, Pete, how you doing, brother? I'm doing all right, man. I heard you watched the Bill Burr's comedy special. I did. I got it. Did you watch it? I watched it last night, too, man. Yeah, I don't feel like I could watch that with my wife, though. I don't think she would find it as funny <laughs> as, I, as I did. <laughs> yeah, there's there's zero laughing for my girlfriend. But, yeah. Uh, oh, man. Some of the stuff, like, like I'll, I'll watch, like, uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia or something. I don't know if you watch right. that show. Maybe oh, more absolutely. my generation. Yeah. So, uh, but I remember, like, I'll watch it with my wife and just a silence. And I'm like, yeah, this is, it's just not, it's not funny. It's not funny. You always feel guilty for laughing. <laughs> yeah. But I'll go back and watch it later. You know, South Park, maybe kind of a guilty pleasure of mine, too. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So, I don't think people are on here to hear us talk about Bill Burr, but it's it's funny if you're a guy. Maybe not. If you're, right. Maybe, no, maybe I'll watch it with your lady. <laughs> so, Razorbacks on the verge of a breakout against Rams, question mark. Um, great headline. We always talk about the headlines to use. Um, what <laughs> do you, that was all me. What have you seen from this uh, Colorado State Rams defense, Pete? Yeah, it's it's definitely not going to be uh, an SEC caliber defense like mm-hmm. they faced against Ole Miss. Um, but they do have some, some good players um, starting up front with Ellison Hubbard, who is uh, – he, he kind of looks like an SEC caliber guy. Um, he actually leads the nation in sack yards. He's got 3.5 sacks this season already. Mm-hmm. So he's somebody to watch out for. He can also help in the run game. But uh, Arkansas should be able to run the football against this uh, Colorado State team um, based on the fact that the, the talent uh, for the offensive front has got to be better than the talent in the Mountain West over there. Um, you, you have to do that if you're Arkansas. You have to be able to run the football. Um, but Ellison Hubbard is a guy that can get after the quarterback. He's someone you got to look out for. Um, linebackers, pretty interesting here. Tron Folsom, yeah. a lot of people might remember his name. Yeah, he popped up on Arkansas's radar. Yep. Absolutely. and I mean, he would have definitely helped add some depth to the linebacker unit. But I think he went with Colorado State just because he's – he knew he could get some playing time there, and that's what he's been doing. He's got four tackles, but he's an athletic guy. Yeah, and, well, he was a little uh, undersized. I think that's what it came down to for Arkansas in not bringing him in. But um, they've, they've done some good things to shore up linebacker, though, moving some of those guys from outside to inside and add some weight. It's not an ideal situation. It's not where you want to be, you know, year three or four at linebacker. But 
Yeah, I understand why maybe they they made it went a different direction. They had some 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 other needs. If they'd gotten the kid from Ole Miss, that would have been the uh, Lakia Henry. That would have been the uh, right the ticket for him. No, absolutely. But Tron Folsom, he can do some good things. I mean, he was mm-hmm. uh, he was all Sun Belt, I think, all time uh, leading he, tackler, I think, at their school. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he can do some good things and somebody to watch out for for sure. And Cameron Carter is a sophomore, is another one. But they they're athletic at linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, if Arkansas can get to the second level, I don't see those guys being able to uh, shed any blocks. But that's going to be uh, something they have to work on in the offensive line, some continuity to get to that point, uh, to be able to get to the second level. But uh, if they can get to the second level, I think Arkansas should be able to run the football pretty well. But uh, those guys can cover it as well. And in the secondary, it's kind of a, an experienced secondary. Uh, got a little more depth than last year. Uh, one big guy to watch out for is their safety, Jamal Hicks. He's uh, He had 11 solo tackles against Colorado, which – um, when you're a safety, 11 yeah. solo tackles means that you probably missed some coverage, but but that's an impressive stat. Yeah, or the, um, the linebackers weren't doing their job. <laughs> exactly. Or you're on the field way too long. So, but, but watching film, he's definitely somebody to look out for in the secondary. Yeah. Pete Royer joining us again with hogsports.com. Again, H-A-W-G-sports.com. As I mentioned, a lot of Pete's stuff is free, and you can get all that delivered to your email inbox by going to hogsports.com, scrolling to the middle of the page, and simply entering your email address. You'll get an activation email. Just click on that to make sure to uh, to activate the account. And then we'll send you free Razorback content, mainly stuff that comes out of press conferences and things like that. You're not going to get the VIP that the diehards get who have the VIP membership, but you're going to get a lot of great content from Pete Roulier. Um, you can follow Pete also at P-E-T-E-R-O-U-L-I-E-R at that. <laughs> I'm yes, not going to spell that. it out again, but at Pete Roulier, uh, you can follow him uh, uh, there. And there it is right there underneath his name. That's the number. Mm-hmm. That's the uh, the ticket to follow him on Twitter. All right, so looking over on the other side of the field with the offense, uh, obviously some talent at quarterback. What else can you tell us uh, besides Colin Hill? What do the, what do the Rams have? They got a big wide out in Warren Jackson who made some plays against Colorado. He's six six. Um, Arkansas has been trying to uh, trying to figure out who they're going to use on the scout team. They got Jimmy Stoudemire wearing his number. Mm-hmm. Peyton Osley, two guys are six two. Uh, it's it's hard to represent that height in the scout team. Um, mm-hmm. But but six six. He's a he's a very tall. Wide I guess you used Stoudemire. The SEC. Stoudemire, That's I think what, maybe was wearing that jersey, wasn't he? That scout team jersey. Yeah, it was, it was Stoudemire and Ozzy. I think that were wearing the number nine during practice. Mm-hmm. Um, two of the taller guys, but they're not six six, so that's going to be a tough matchup. Um, and then Dante Wright is a freshman. That's been really impressive. Mm-hmm. It's kind it kind of makes you wonder how he got to Colorado State because the kid can really he's kind of the x factor for the rams you know he's got he's got 11 receptions 183 yards and two touchdowns already this season and he's also carried the ball four times and he's getting like 20 yards a game like 92 yards and two touchdowns on the ground so dante Wright is a guy that they're going to use um especially in a game like this against the sec opponent maybe some trick stuff with him mm-hmm. uh, they're definitely gonna try to get him the ball and then um this is a bigger offensive line for a for a mountain west type team too absolutely and, and uh Arkansas has been playing some like bigger offensive lines compared to what they were. Like Portland State had a big offensive line 
Um, and it was weird because they're an FCS team. So they're not really catching breaks on, in terms of size when, they, when you're supposed to be playing teams from lower divisions that are, you know, smaller in terms of size. But they're getting some big guys. Let me see. I think I have the average weight. It's like 302 pounds, which is the average weight for the uh, Colorado State offensive line, which is it, it's pretty big. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to uh, work on that. And then behind them running the ball is going to be Marvin Kinsey Jr., who's a senior that's ran for 130 yards this season. How do you see things playing out, Pete? You got a prediction? Well, I don't have a prediction yet, but I can probably come up with one. Um, and, and then if you want to look back at the defense, what Arkansas needs to do is they need to tackle better. Um, mm, yeah. The tackling was kind of off uh, against Ole Miss. And, and a lot of that, I know we talked to Chavis on Monday, and he said that it, it wasn't due to the fact that the uh, the legs were bad in the second half, but that's what it looked like to me was that uh, the second no half was tired. There's no question that they were tired. Right. There's no question. I mean, and that's what happens when you keep running the ball. And Arkansas kind of gave up on that a little bit too early. Uh, there was a caller on drive time yesterday, I think, was talking about McFadden, you know, just, you know, he's getting one yard, one yard, one yard, and then it's three yards. Right. And the next thing you know, he pops one off and everybody starts getting exhausted. And I remember Bobby Petrino used to say that in the fourth quarter, they're using a different running back, but it's their same safety, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. So, there, well, there is an aspect to softening up a defense, and that's what, exactly what Ole Miss did against Arkansas's defense. They warm out eventually, and next thing you know, you're getting gashed on those last two series. So so hopefully when you're an Arkansas fan, you think that um, you're going to see the offense on the field a lot more with Starkle. Mm. It's just going to look a little smoother. There's going to be more first downs, less three and outs is, uh, is the hope there, and that will help the defense out a lot. All right, uh, in terms of prediction, let, yeah. let me just let me just think about it really quick. It's not going to be – I feel like just because of the fact that both these quarterbacks are really talented, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to go with Arkansas 35, Colorado State 21. Okay, I can get on board with that. I can get – so I'll, I'll go ahead and jump in too. I haven't come up with a, with a score. I'm going to do it at the end of the show, but I do think Arkansas is going to win the game. I think returning home, I think the experience that you've gained in these last couple of games, uh, overall you are more talented. It just comes down to the mistakes, limiting the mistakes. So I do think Arkansas is going to win the game. I'm not saying I think they're going to win, but I'm picking Colorado State, nothing like that. I'm gonna, I think Arkansas is going to win. I'm going to pick them to win in this one because, uh, man, first of all, they don't need to lose another non-conference, non-Power 5 game at least for the rest of the Chad Morris era, you know. Well, I mean, that, that stuff needs to – that's got to go. If you lose to Colorado State two years in a row, that shows you where the state of the program is, and that's not – Well, I mean, that doesn't show you the state – two and ten shows you where the state of the program is. <laughs> right. I there's mean, there's plenty of, of, there's the plenty of things to look at to show you the state of the program, but they are on an upswing. It's just like – I feel like last year was the absolute pit, and this now, now it's just like a little bit of this, you know. Um, but you got to keep that momentum. You can't lose this game for several reasons – I mean, we can start with recruiting, but overall record and the chances to get to a bowl game, but also the morale of the team. I mean, you lose this one, you're going to have a hard time getting these guys back. You can pull them back in from losing on the road to Ole Miss, but, I mean, there's a lot of football left. You don't want these guys to let go of the rope, and that kind of stuff can happen. I mean, it doesn't always happen, but it can. All right, Pete. Two simple things is why I made that prediction. It was because Arkansas really wants revenge. You can tell from the players that that – 
Gave him a pit in their stomach. And then secondly, it was Nick Starkle passing the eye test in the second half against Ole Miss. I think he really gave a lot of people some hope. Yeah, well, also 44% of these people didn't play in the game last year because they're they were all red shirt freshmen or true freshmen. All right, Pete, so you've got basketball. You're going to go over to uh, Eric Musselman press conference in Barnhill, right? In Barnhill. I've been saying this for years. They ought to play a game there. So I'm happy to see they're at least playing the red-white and really think Musselman gets it. But uh, I'll let you go so you can get to that press conference. All right, thanks, Trey. You have a good all right. one, man. All right, thanks. All right, that's Pete Roulier. Pete Roulier does a great job for us at hogsports.com. Again, you can read all of his stuff there. All right, for the rest of the show here, we're going to answer your questions. We've got a lot of them. They're already starting to roll off a little bit. William Maxwell says, are you worried about Bush and Nash not getting any time? And what? It's starting to roll off, so I'm right I'm right here. Um, it, well, I, there's a time and a place, I think, in a large sense. You want to get those guys some time, but you don't want to put them in a situation where they could cost you the game. I mean, they got in at the end like when they were doing kneel downs. I don't know what that was about. But that shows you, I think, that they plan on playing those guys. They're going to need them. You're going to need 10 to 12 defensive backs to make through the season. And right now, they're pretty much playing those guys the whole game. So, yeah, you're going to need – and Ladarius Bishop as well. Garrett Haley says, Trey, I don't know if uh, if you remember a couple of months ago I was complaining about the strength of programs that Arkansas was scheduling for non-conference. They've really stepped it up and have, have some exciting matchups coming over the next 10 years. Hopefully they can get better and face those teams. Yeah, I mean, here's the deal – in, in part also with the Colorado State game, uh, Garrett, and I appreciate everything you're uh, watching the show. Um, here's the problem is the Michigan game. Michigan backed out of the series two years before, and really that kind of made Jeff look like he didn't know what was going on. I mean, losing that game, I was really looking forward to go to the Big House, probably never get a chance to go there again. Uh, but this would have been the year that Michigan would have returned to Arkansas. I don't know if this was the year that, you know, those two years that you wanted to play Michigan. So, um especially last year. That would might have been really bad uh, to go up to the big house last year with the team that they had um, and the week that they w- they lost to Colorado State. So got some great games coming up, a lot of games against Oklahoma State, BYU, Utah, Notre Dame next year. going to be a lot of – next year's schedule is the best schedule ever. It's the best schedule ever. Your road games are in Arlington at Arrowhead Stadium at Notre Dame, and then you get Alabama, Tennessee – Ole Miss, who else is it? Who am I leaving out? LSU, those are your four home games. You only get two true road games next year. Love it. John Fletcher says, I'm thinking Starkle's confidence and attitude may be just what we need at quarterback position. That cannon doesn't hurt either. I absolutely agree. He he knows when he sees somebody open, he knows that he's got to get rid of the ball. It's not like – I think Ben Hicks is a guy that throws more perimeter passes that, you know, maybe relies on things breaking down a little bit more. But Starkle just pulls the string on him. Guy's open, and it's not like a hole putting his body into it. You'll see a lot of quarterbacks, when they really try to throw it, you see just everything they've got into it. And Starkle's just kind of like – it's just like a flick. I mean, that's – it's the same ball every single time. There have been a few guys that have come through this program with an arm like that. And I'm not saying he has – quite Ryan Mallett or quite Tavares Jackson, but it's up there. It's in the same classification as those guys. And I don't know who else you would say besides them that has an arm like that, at least, you know, since I've been old enough to appreciate stuff like that. SEC era and a little bit before. John Fletcher says – oh, we just read John Fletcher. Bellamy Gunnelick says, I have a bunch of tickets for sale for Arkansas versus Colorado State for 60 bucks a ticket. I assume that's face value. 
for Bellamy Gunnelick. A lot of tickets. Uh, LaQuentin Gringham, I'm just tagging somebody. Jacob Embry says, how much of a difference would the game be this weekend without some of the defensive front injuries? Well, I think losing Dorian Gerald was a huge blow, a huge blow, because not only not only does it hurt losing him, but you also have the ability now to double up on McTelvin again. And I think we saw that in the Ole Miss game. I know we saw it. I saw it happen. So, But if you have Dorian Gerald there, that's not really an option. So losing him hurt in that aspect alone, but also you don't have a guy with his talent who is a veteran player. I mean, you look at the defensive end spot. It was a situation where you're talking about having three seniors, Gabe Richardson, Jamario Bell, who's also out with the knees, not going to play in this one, and Dorian Gerald having those three guys and then a talented young group of freshmen you can bring up. And you've gone from that to a bunch of freshmen getting thrown into the fire. Pretty quick change just by a couple of injuries there. But it's good they get Dorian back next year, hopefully. Hopefully everything works out and his health is is in good shape. And, um, I mean, obviously I know he's he has ambitions to play beyond Arkansas. So hopefully everything gets worked out with him. Uh, but his health is obviously number one. Neil Hollinger says, is the future any brighter after the 2019 season? And what would you say Arkansas gets that 8-9 and nine win season? I think it's possible that we could be talking about that next year. If things continue to trend the right direction, if Arkansas gets to a bowl game this year, for example, then I think we are talking about a trend upwards next year. You know, I mentioned that schedule. Some tough games. You know, you're on the road at Arrowhead. You're on the road at Notre Dame. You get your tough SEC games at home. You have to go on the road to Auburn and, and Ole Miss. Um it's a tough schedule, but I do think this year, if you can get past, you look at what's returning, you're going to get Noah Gatlin back. You're going to have basically four offensive linemen returning with a significant amount of experience from the previous year. Um, you know, you get Nick Starkle back. K.J. Jefferson's going to be better. Maybe he gets more involved by that time. I have heard a lot of people that say K.J. Jefferson needs to go in the game and be the guy, and maybe eventually down the road. But I'm just telling you people – not yet. It's not time for K.J. Jefferson. It's amazing how many people say that he was going to make the difference. And he looks awesome one play, and the next play is just kind of like, what was that, you know? I mean, so he's got a lot of potential. But that's what we've always said about K.J. He's a potential guy, okay? The difference from what I've heard from people, the difference in K.J. and Deshaun um, – He's on my fantasy team, and Deshaun Watson. <laughs> the difference between KJ Jefferson and Deshaun Watson is Deshaun Watson came in ready to play, ready to go. And KJ, I'm not saying he's that. This is other people, but KJ is just a lot more raw. I think there's a possibility we could see him in some packages though moving forward. He did have a was he wearing 13 or 15 at the Ole Miss game, and possibly some of that is because you want to take you know if he's your guy in two years from now. You know, you, you want to take him on the road. They did the same thing with Brandon Allen uh, under Bielema. They take him on the road to road games. Not Bielema, but um, with uh, Petrino and I guess John L. Um, Dustin Hoofman says, when you get the ball to the playmakers, they can make plays, good things happen. Yeah, you just got to make sure they're backed off the line of scrimmage when they're supposed to be. Um, you know, that's you can say that's on Nick Starkle, and some people have kind of even come after me. It's like, how can you say it's on Starkle? But, I mean, it, it is in the sense that he wasn't prepared to be the starter all week like Ben Hicks was, you know. Um, I think it's on the coaches to call plays that he's comfortable with at the same time. You're going to get better with that this week. Matt Bohannon says, what do you think about Portland State winning their last game 70-7? to 
I realize it was a bad team, but winning by 63 points is good no matter who it is. It's a, it's a good point, Matt Bohannon. I mean, still, though, you, you should crush – you'd be crushing teams like Portland State, even though that's impressive to beat anybody 77. Matt A. Worley says, I think Morgan could have a good game. I think he's way better in coverage than Scooter. Scooter hasn't been great in coverage this year. I'll give you that. And I think, you know, last game he was dealing with cramping very early and that could have hindered him. When is Hudson Henry going to play? So I saw Hudson Henry not wearing a scout team jersey this week. So that could be an indication that he is going to play. Eventually, I think they'll need Hudson Henry. Matt A. Worley says, not, not way, but may be better. John Vincent says, we need to see the deep pass early and often, open it up and make a statement. That's another thing. You know, Starkle has all the throws. And, you know, I asked him, you know, just in a one-on-one conversation at, at Arkansas Media Day last year, or, you know, in, in fall camp, just about what he prefers in an offense. And he says he's more comfortable throwing a 50-yard bomb than he is a bubble screen. So I thought we saw, you know, he had a nice deep connection, um, you know, not just one of those laser throws that we're used to seeing already, but, you know, a deep ball to, I think, Mike Woods uh, when he was in there and also had the fade pass. It's not, not like a deep pass, but that's that, that's a touch pass, and that's that's a hard pass to throw um, to Corlin Jackson. By the way, good to see Corlin out there doing some good things. Dollar DP says, I was told all season he fixed it, but Ty Clary still can't snap the freaking ball. I mean, you want to you want to change it up a little bit, right? You want to throw some fastballs and some change-ups because you don't want them to expect what you're going to get. Now, I'm totally with you, Dollar DP. Uh, there are some balls up there that just kind of float. you got to think that ruins the timing on everything. It needs to just be a consistent zip back there. Hopefully it gets that cleaned up a little bit. He actually graded out pretty well from what I'm told. Ray Stapler says VIP is worth it. Again, if you haven't signed up at hogsports.com, listen to Ray Stapler and sign up for hogsports.com if you like the content that we deliver here on Hogsports Live with the Hog Hustle. There's so many ways to listen now. We've got, so we've got, I'm on drive time every day. Danny's on uh, out of bounds on Wednesdays. And then you've got, we do this show, Hog Sports Live, on Mondays and Thursdays. I've been doing a post-game show on Saturday. We do the Hog Hustle on Tuesday with R.J. Hawk, me, and Danny West. And then Danny West does a VIP recruiting podcast every Friday, which is fantastic, by the way. If you're enjoying this, you enjoy some of the stuff that Danny brings to this, you should check out what he does on the VIP podcast, answering questions. It's highly entertaining and a lot of great information, not just like what has happened, but what's going to happen kind of stuff. So, I mean, that right there is worth the price of admission, $10 a month. $1 for your first month to check it out or 30% off your first year. Tim John says, I guess I'm a diehard. If you're if you're subscribed to hogsports.com, if you found hogsports.com, chances are you're a diehard fan that it matters to you. LaQuentin Ingram says, Nick surprises, surprised me in the interview. He saw the problem on the field in the Ole Miss game and told Morris what his thoughts was, and, and it was working. Yep. Benji Morgan – I'll say this, the guy's got a lot of confidence, what you absolutely want to see. He's got a lot of confidence. All right, we're at that 42-minute mark, so I'm going to run through these here pretty quick here. When will T.J. Hammonds get to play? This game, the next game, there's next two suspensions, so the game after that. So, um, Texas A&M, I guess, he'll be unsuspended. And they need somebody. Hopefully Hammonds can come in and can provide a spark in the running game. I feel like Chase Hayden has run into some poor situations. I mean, he had – you know, the guy's right there and he has a six-yard loss on a pass. The guy, you know, he gets blown up right away on a four-yard run for a loss. Um, the kickoff return he had bounced straight up instead of going out of bounds. He had to pick that up. But I do feel like he's been a little bit tentative. 
know, Devois had some opportunities, especially in the passing game, but in the running game, you just want to see a little bit more. That's why I've said I, don't, I want to see Traylon Burks in the Wildcat. If they're going to run the Wildcat, put Traylon Burks back there instead of Rakeem. That way you keep Rakeem fresher. You get another guy involved in the running game because right now the other running backs aren't really getting a lot uh, in the running game. And what happens when Traylon Burks touches the ball? Somebody misses. Somebody always misses. So I think he, you know, and they obviously feel comfortable enough with him to throw a deep pass to Cheyenne O'Grady like that play was designed to do. He has played some high school quarterback. I want to see him touch the ball more. I want to see him. What, he had three targets or something like that in the game? Two punt returns? Not enough for a guy like that. LaQuentin Ingram says, I feel bad for TJ. Hope he gets to play this year. Yeah, I agree. That all comes down to the Hogs controlling the ball. Arkansas will not win another game this season, says Shaggy Rogers. Shaggy Rogers, come back. Come back after they do because they're, they're going to win another game this season, at least. at least <laughs> They got San Jose State coming up. If they lose San Jose State, I'm not doing this podcast anymore. That'll be it. <laughs> LaQuinn Ingram says, look like they got the right quarterback also. I hate their starter got hurt, but they had the wrong quarterback also. Tim Johnson says, didn't want revenge on Ole Miss, too. Didn't they want revenge on Ole Miss, too? Yeah, I mean, I think there's plenty of games to get revenge on. Plenty of games to get revenge on. I mean, when you go 2-10, and 10, every game's a revenge game, isn't it? Tyler Wilson has an arm. Says Joey Marks. Interesting. Out of the blue comment. Tyler Wilson does not have the arm that the other guys have. Tyler Wilson was really strong at moving out of the pocket, throwing from different angles, as we heard several times, his baseball background was definitely advantageous there, but in terms of having the cannon type of arm of the three guys I mentioned, not quite. Very good arm, though, no question. NFL arm. I mean, Brandon Allen didn't have that kind of arm, but he's got an NFL arm. There's just some guys that are different level. I mean, not everybody can throw it 80 yards like Brett Favre or Ryan Mallett. Dustin Pig says, great name Dustin Pig, says Knox didn't seem as fast as I thought he would be. Did he look slow to anyone else? I don't know. Sometimes with those tall guys, you don't realize how fast they're moving. Somebody said that about Traylon Burks. I'm like, they're like, he's not a four. I mean, like he's at least a four or five guy. Traylon Burks just glides. But yeah, I mean, Knox is a fast guy. He's quick too. But I mean, he's six five. Sometimes those guys just don't look it. I mean, Usain Bolt compared to some of the guys he's running against doesn't always look fast, but he's just like slowly just like glides past him. Jim Taylor says, hey, Trey, Jim in Fresno, California, do you think Stark will remain the starter? Absolutely do. I think they're invested in him. I think he's the answer for them at quarterback, as big an answer that they have to the question that they have. So I absolutely think he will. I do see, you know, down the road maybe as KJ gets more comfortable, you could see him getting incorporated in some stuff. But as far as being the starter that we're looking at, I do think it's uh, it's Nick Starkle. He says, my neighbor, the Texas A&M fan, also thinks Starkle is the best choice. I think – this is an interesting question for your neighbor. Ask him if he thinks Starkle was a better choice than Mond. I, don't, I know that Mond is undefeated against Arkansas, and Texas A&M has obviously had Arkansas's number. I've just never been that impressed with Kellen Mond. I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback, but I don't, I don't know that he's a good quarterback. And I think one reason they picked him is because of his mobility, but – and he's mobile. He's not as mobile as some other quarterbacks I've seen. I don't know. I'm just not – I think most people kind of come away with that and not just being totally blown away with Kellen Mond. So that will be an interesting contest because you do have Nick Starkle as the starter. I came out with a midseason depth chart for the Texas A&M game not long ago, and I had Nick Starkle listed as the starter. Rakeem Boyd in the backfield. Could be an interesting dynamic there. 
with those two guys. You got a lot of Texas A&M type of flavor. That's about all you want from Texas A&M, right? Uh, but you got Chad Morris as a Texas A&M graduate. John Chavis was the defensive coordinator there before he came to Arkansas. Rakeem Boyd, Nick Starkle. Kind of interesting, interesting dynamic there. You know there's a lot of people that will be up for that one. Casey Bandy says, do you think Bobby P. will come back as OC? No. <laughs> Bobby Petrino's days at Arkansas are over, guys. I'm sorry about that. But as I've said before, I don't understand why he hasn't gone to the NFL and been an offensive coordinator there because they could care less, couldn't care less, how you say it, couldn't care less, um, you know, how big a jerk you are or how big a jerk you're perceived to be. And Bobby Petrino was never bad to me. I mean, I've heard people say he's all this and that, and, you know, I know he was he got on some people's tail, no question, but literally the guy never said a bad thing to me. And in my book, he's on time. Bobby Petrino would walk into that press conference room. The press conference is at noon. He walked in at 11.59 every single time. Every single time, which as somebody who gets real OCD about time and punctuality and things like that, I absolutely appreciated Bobby Petrino for being in time. And the anti-Petrino, no surprise he didn't have any success at Arkansas, was John freaking Pelfrey. That guy would forget that he has a press conference. John Pelfrey would forget basically that he had a press conference, show up super late. I mean, no wonder. No wonder. Robert Hampton says Arkansas will not go to a bowl game. It's possible. Another thing I said, Arkansas more likely to win five games than they are to win seven games. No, I picked them to win six, okay? And still I get called for pumping pumping sunshine. (laughs) I mean, Norman Hunt says, I'm in Florida. Do they even have enough to bring some from the defensive line to the offensive line? Do they even have enough to bring some from the defensive line to the offensive line just to help out? No, I don't, I don't think that's the issue so much. Pass protection was terrible Saturday, just a thought. I agree. The offensive line was an issue on Saturday. At the same time, it wasn't as big an issue when Starkle came in there because they backed off. They realized that this guy can throw the ball. I think all of that helps. I mean, it's, everything is connected. You know, It's not just an independent event. All these things are connected. So when you pass the ball, it opens up everything. You know, and, and we saw that. They just kind of abandoned the running game, which I think was on the coaches. You don't – you can't abandon – I said before the game, the last thing I want to see is Rakeem Boyd not get 25 carries in this game, and he got 17. Not enough carries. Look, Quentin Ingram says, yes, I thought Trey Knox looked slow when he caught that ball. I don't know. I guess I'm not – I mean, he's just long and tall. I mean, I'm not saying he's like a 4'4 guy or something like that, but he's – to be 6'5", he's a pretty tall guy. More of a strider, but he he still made it to the end zone, didn't he? Terry Roy says CSU is a lot better than people think. I think, Terry, I think people think Colorado State is a good team. I mean, if anybody who's paid attention, you know, I think understands. Graham Crock says, Trey, my bald-headed brother, a.k.a. Sunshine Pumper. You're doing an awesome job and love these videos in Hawks Wars. I appreciate that, Graham Cox. Appreciate my bald-headed brother. Why can't we run KJ as a Wildcat? Well, here's the problem with the Wildcat, and – I know more than the Wildcat about – I know more about the Wildcat than most people do. I know more about it than the founder of the Wildcat, I think, and Gus Malzahn. And what I'm about to say is when Gus Malzahn got to Arkansas and implemented the Wildcat and said this is what we're – you know, we want to run this package, he was trying to run it with Peyton Hillis, okay? 
But that's not how you run the Wildcat. You run the Wildcat with the most elusive player you have on your team that is at least capable of throwing the ball. McFadden wasn't that good a thrower. He gets kind of a lot of credit for being a good thrower, but his passes were kind of ugly sometimes. Uh, but everybody was scared to death of him running the ball, so that's why it worked. Okay? it's And you also have to have the man coming around in motion. I mean, it used to kind of infuriate me when Bill McCauled at the Wild Hog or Wildcat when he had Kiro Small in there. And this is nothing against Kiro Small, but you don't want a freaking fullback in as Wildcat. You just don't. And they also would never bring anybody around. It's just a direct snap to Kiro Small. I mean, it just didn't make any sense. And then when um, when Malzahn got to Auburn, I remember he had Cody Burns there, and they transitioned Cody Burns from quarterback to wide receiver. And Cody was, you know, a good runner and everything and elusive, but – he wasn't the most elusive guy on their team. You know, I think they thought, well, this is a guy that can throw it. But really, you just got a dumbed-down package for a former quarterback, okay? Um, the best Wildcat quarterback ever was Darren McFadden. The second best, and I didn't think about this, but it's almost a tie because Nick Marshall was almost a Wildcat quarterback. I mean, the guy was extremely elusive. Not a very good passer, but he was so dangerous as a runner that he threw for 2,500 yards for Auburn and led him to the national championship game. Um, that guy was essentially a Wildcat quarterback. Uh, Dexter McCluster, fantastic Wildcat quarterback for Ole Miss. Ronnie Brown, fantastic Wildcat quarterback, the first Wildcat quarterback in the NFL after David Lee took it with him. So I almost felt like Malzahn didn't understand what he had in the Wildcat, even though he invented it. And I'm not trying to say – I'm not trying to stir up the Gus Malzahn who invented the Wildcat stuff from 2007, all that ridiculousness. I'm just saying, Malzahn brought it to Arkansas. Danny Nutt said, let's put Darren McFadden there instead. These are all – this is all true. Revisionist history, whatever you want to say, this is how it happened. And then Malzahn left and really, to my knowledge, didn't understand quite how to use it. At Auburn. And that, and Nutt took it to Ole Miss and ran it with Dexter McCluster, had a ton of success. David Lee took it to uh, the Miami Dolphins, had a ton of success with it um, there with Ronnie Brown. Just saying. Ron McCallie says, sure, Miss Jones and McFadden, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, those days are long gone, Rob. Doug, Doug Gwens, I hope I said that right, Gwynez. Uh, with all these defensive ends down and seeing containment on the outside has been an issue with running quarterbacks. You see them moving a game back. No, I don't think they're going to. And I asked about that. I even asked somebody said I should ask about Nick Fullwater, move him back maybe to help out. But they're planning on keeping those guys at defensive tackle. But uh, with a guy that's not as good a runner, hopefully that's not going to be as big an issue. But absolutely, I mean, that's number one responsibility of defensive end, contain. Stephen Welch says A&M should want Starkle back, I think. You're right. Jim Taylor says my neighbor is right here, and he says he'll trade us quarterbacks right now. I told you. I agree with him, man. I agree with him. Casey Bandy says Arkansas beats A&M, question mark. I think that, you know, for as bad as Arkansas was last year and as good as A&M was at times, it was a touchdown game last year. It's going to be an interesting one this year, I think. I don't think you see – I think you see a close game that comes all the way down to the wire. Joey Mark says, does the O-line grade out better this year versus last year? I think overall they should. If they don't, then I think it's a problem. Okay, if they don't, then I think it's a problem because they're a year in the system now. I think they needed some new blood. Now, obviously, you'd like to have Yelda Froholt back, but with everybody else, I don't mean to come down on anybody else, but I think they needed some new blood. Losing Noah Gatlin was a big killer. I mean, losing him in the first practice – I think Dustin Fry said it right. It's like you wake up in the morning, it's Christmas Day, and you go downstairs and your Christmas tree's on fire. 
Noah Gatlin was a future – I mean, he was a start this year. He was going to start at right tackle for Arkansas. So that was a blow, but you do get him back next year. He'll be eligible for a medical redshirt now under the new rules, so maybe you get him back for four more years. That'd be, that'd be a good thing. All right, everybody, time to wrap it up. I appreciate everybody joining us. And um, get mad, get frustrated, get angry, but don't get – don't get ridiculous on these players on Twitter after the game. I mean, if they, you know, throughout the course of the game, things are going to go Arkansas's way. Things aren't going to go Arkansas's way. I think they're going to win. But if you have an urge to get on Twitter and tweet at a player and say something nasty and awful and something you wouldn't dare say to their face, just take a breath and step back. Maybe reconsider how your life is going. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, come after me. I'm 40. I'm a man. You can come after me if you want to. All right, everybody. This has been Trey Biddy with Hogsports.com. For Pete Rule, yay. We'll catch you next time.